The following presentation was recorded live at the River Worship Center in Warsaw, Indiana. We now join the message already in progress. She has been more than my help, my stay with, as the Lord has become first, but he placed her with me to help me through all the difficult things. And uh, man, we raised eight kids. We have eight kids. We have 26 grandkids. And we, lived in a, we live in a small town up north called Hart. And, uh, man, God's amazing. Amen. And I'm listening to you talk about your salvation. You know, I, I know what you're talking about. And I remember my, before I got saved, before I met her, um, there was, I went into this, this Harding's East. It was in Sturgis, Michigan. How many of you know where Sturgis is? You've been there, right? Well, a long time ago, there was a store on the east side of town called Harding's East. And I walked in there, and there was this young guy. He's probably 19, 18, 19 years old. And, and he looked me right in the eye, and he says, Do you know Jesus? Now, I knew who he was. I knew who Jesus was, but I didn't know him, Right? And I looked behind me thinking that he has to be talking to somebody else. And I said, no, leave me alone. And I start to walk on and he says, sir, wait, wait. And I've never been called sir before. I've been called other names. But not sir, right? I mean, and I look behind me again and he's talking to me again. I just told him to leave me alone. And I said, what? He says, do you know that Jesus loves you? I didn't know what to say. I said, leave me alone. And I walked on. And I went, and I picked me up two 12-packs of Miller Lite. And I, I know this is bad. And I walked up to the counter, and right between me and the lady that's going to check me out is that young guy. And I thought, I'm not going to do this again. And I just set that down, and I walked away. But you know what? That thought, that memory burnt inside of me that somebody that didn't know me loved me enough to tell me about Jesus. And somewhere his faith brought him to the place that says, that said, man, there's people out there that's dying and going to go to hell. And I have the key. I'm sorry for walking around like this. I do this all the time. I was just thinking that this is the coolest machine I've ever seen right here because it has wheels on it. <laughs> Amen? If I, and if my church finds out that you can put wheels on these things, they'll probably do that because I can go up and down the aisles. And don't, you know? You do that too? We're more like than what? This is great. And you know, I don't know why. I don't know why that with the life that, that I lived, I don't know why Jesus wanted me. But I found out down the road that he did. And not only did he love me and want me, regardless of all the garbage, because I sold drank, I played in a band. I thought that uh, the greatest thing I could ever do was play rock and roll. And, and I found out that that wasn't the greatest thing I could do. 
the greatest thing that I could do is serve the Most High God. And that he wanted me, and he wanted to use me. Did you know that God wants to use everybody that he calls them to? Yes. Did you know, that, did you know that, that his desire is that none would perish, not even one? That all he's called to repentance? Did you know that? Isn't that something? Sometimes in the church we know these things, but we don't follow these things. Probably not here. This is JC's church here. Probably not here, but in, in, in a lot of churches that I've been to, there's a lot of people that have the understanding, they have the knowledge of who God is. But they never made it to the place from, from, from breaking the chains of believing in God to believing God. You see, because when, when you believe in God, you acknowledge that he's there. And so many people that go to church acknowledges that he's there. But unless you believe God, you won't do nothing with his word. And right now, we need to be doing something with his word. Amen? Amen. Amen. Crazy, isn't it? It's crazy. And when you take a look at what's happening today all over this world, not just in the United, all over this world, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And when we see all these things, it seems like everything, it seems like, it seems like everything is falling apart. I was in the grocery store about a month ago, and I was, because, you know, I like to get on the subject of Jesus, especially when somebody was like, man, you ever see these times that we're living in today? I said, yeah, Jesus is coming back. You know, they look at me like I'm a nut. And I think this is great, because this is where the fun begins, right? Because there's so many people that even go to the church that don't know the days that we're living in. And, 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 and you say, ah, it's a tough time. I say it is, but you know that the Bible already said this was going to come. And they look at you like you don't know what you're talking about. I said, do you ever read your Bible? Well, not for a long time. I think you need to hook yourself up. You see, we who are believers, even though we see all these things coming, we know that it's not falling apart. We know that's falling into place. Amen. Right? We know it's falling. It shouldn't be a shock to the, the church. shouldn't be. It is, but it shouldn't be, right? Because we already know. God says he doesn't do nothing unless he speaks it to the prophets, right? We quit listening to the prophets, haven't we? Not everybody, but, but most of the people. It's falling into place. You know, and uh, it's amazing. It's amazing how much we forgot over the years. You know, uh, he told us that... Uh, he told us not only that these days would come, he told us in Matthew chapter 24, he showed us these things, these events that's going to have to take place. And he said, don't freak out over these things. He said, these things must come. He said, but what you want to look for is the great apostasy. And man, people are leaving the church. They're dropping like flies. He said, listen, not only... Is the world going to be messed up? It's going to happen in the church. He said there's false prophets that are going to come and false teachers, right? Didn't he say that? We're freaked out about it, but he said it was going to happen. He said it's not only going to stop there. 
it's that even inside the church, they're going to stop listening to sound doctrine. There's going to come a time. There's going to come a time that, that the church is going to stop listening to sound doctrine. They're going to want to have their ears tickled. They're going to want the preachers to preach the things that they want to hear. They don't want to hear about these days. Amen? Well, church, listen, welcome to the end days. Have you ever said, man, I wish I lived in the Bible days? Well, you are right now. You're just living into the end of the Bible days. You know, I'm going to find that water because I do not know why that my tongue just decided that there was sand in it or something. I'm going to put that top on. I'm not that good with stuff like this. I've been speaking a lot on the victory that overcomes the world, and right now we need victory. If there is something that we need right now in our nation, in this world, is we need victory, and we need a God-given victory. We need a victory that, that, that pours out into our day-to-day life. The only way that's going to happen is if we carry Jesus with us into our day-to-day life, right? Amen. The only way that's going to happen if we start walking by faith and not by... Because if we start looking at all the things that's going on around here, we're going to start getting depressed. Yeah. There's no reason for depressed in, in, in the believer's life. Right. I mean, we have a victory. We have God that is unstoppable. I mean, when you start talking, you talk about Gideon. Okay, the people from Gideon. I was preaching on Gideon a few weeks ago, and one of the people inside the church came to me and says, hey, wasn't that the guy that brings the Bibles to the hotels? Uh-huh. I say, no, wrong guy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Gideon, take a look at what Gideon did. Gideon, he was living amongst about seven or eight years that they had been, and I'm not preaching on this. I hope that you don't think that I am, but about seven or eight years, he had been living in some perilous times, and things were tough. And the angel of the Lord came to him and said, hey, i got a plan for you. And Gideon says, me? Uh, I mean, uh, my family's like uh, the lowest in all the land, and I'm the youngest of that family. And he says, no. He says, i got a plan for you. You, me. We're going to take out the enemy. Gideon says, hold that thought. So he runs back to the house, and he grabs, he makes some meat, and he makes some broth, and he makes some bread, and he brings it back, and he's got a test to see if this is really God. And, and, and he offers it to him, and, and, and the angel of the Lord tells him exactly how to do it, and he places it down there, and all of a sudden, he reaches up, and whew, it was consumed. And Gideon said, this is God. And he's speaking to me. This the lowest family in the, the herd and the youngest man, he's talking to me. And later that day, God speaks to Gideon and says, hey, look, I want you to go to your father's house and I want you to take down the altar of Baal and cut down the, the Asherah tree, the old totem pole. And you see, at that point right there, <clears throat> Gideon had to make a decision because what he was about to do was going to change his life forever. Because when he went back to his father's house to take down that idol of Baal and cut down that Asherah, he's not going to be respected in his family the same way. 
And he knew that it wouldn't only affect his family, but it was going to affect all the people in the city. But he said, I've got to do this, because God's the one that's saying it. So he went at night. Isn't that something? It wasn't that he said, nope, got the wrong man. He went at night, and he'd done exactly what it was. See, today in the church, what we've got to do is, is we've got to start dismantling and start tearing down the altar of Baal. We've got to start moving the thing. We called these little G-gods that we placed. And the problem with Israel wasn't that they, they quit serving God, is they wanted to bring Baal to serve along with God. And see, we do that today, and we wonder why God doesn't move in power in our life. We wonder why we don't see the victories that, that overcomes the world. And he called it out for us. And we need to grab a hold of that and start moving in that direction. I know I'm, pre- I'm preaching to the choir. But the one thing that we have to do sometimes be reminded of the importance how we individually, that God calls us not only corporately, but he calls us individually. And as we start stepping out in faith in the things that he is calling us to do individually, as we build the coalition, as the church comes together arm in arm, we forget that there's a power in the prayer of agreement. We forget there's, there, there's power in the union. That As we bow our knees to God and believe as we cast our prayers. It's an amazing thing that the victory that could be ours. And we need victory in the homes. See, right now, we need victories with mommies and daddies. We need, because, you know, sometimes we think that we come to the church to meet God, but listen, the people that carries God in their heart is what comes to this building, and that's how we're going to meet him. For what we live out there is what we bring inside here. And, and just like we were talking about last night, you know, it's, it's the truth. Once there's of the home was tore down, the altars of Baal was able to be established. And if you want a strong church, you've got to have strong homes. If you've got to have strong families, you're going to have to have strong dads. We need to have victory in our homes. We need to have victory between parents and their children. Because the government would like to bring a separation between mom and dad and the kids. We need to have victory in our workplace. When you're taking a look at what's happening in the workplace right now, did you ever think there'd come a time? I mean, the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, it says, there's going to come a day, right? Here we are. There's going to come a day. Why should we mature back then? It's so that we could be ready for today. Amen? Just thought. Don't want to cause no trouble here. We need victory in the churches. Listen, the people are the church. It's not the building. That's right. We need victory in the church. We have to stop playing church and be the church. If we're ever going to be able to overcome this world system. You see, the world system is attacking everything that that stands for truth, justice, and righteousness. We see things that we we see things that are that are good that's now being called evil. I was listening, and, you know, I was, I about died when I heard this. I couldn't believe it. I was listening to a Presbyterian pastor preach or speak or whatever he was doing. I don't know what he was doing. But he said that I believe, he believed, not me, that he believed that abortions was of God.
I had to push, you know, when you're, I had to move that little line back so that I could hear that again. And he gave his reason. And I'm thinking, this is in the church. Now, then I see the churches that's embracing homosexuality and, and uh, lesbianism. We're not supposed to say that in the church, are we? World Wide Web, right? This will be good. But the church is saying it's okay. And they're starting to marry. And we know in the Bible it says there's going to come a time when people are going to call good evil and evil good. And it's happening inside the church. You want to know why it's happening outside there? Because it's happening inside here, not inside this. Oh, sorry, Jason. Because it's happening inside the church. The church has adapted to the world system. Instead of adapting to the faith that God has called us into, Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20 says, Woe to the one who calls uh, evil good and good evil, who substitutes darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitutes bitterness for sweet and sweet for bitterness. Man, the church is in trouble here. But overcoming the world and the world system with the kingdom principles is easy to do. It's easy to do. We, we've kind of lost control for a minute but we can get it back. I have people tell me all the time, I don't believe that. I, don't, I believe that Jesus is just going to come back and this is all, I say, you know what? God said that his heart is that none would perish at all but come to repentance. And I know there's going to come a time when judgment's going to come. But that's God's decision when that's going to be. And I have watched in the Bible as I've read and read and read how many times it looked like it was the end and all of a sudden here comes God. And I don't care if it's four years, I don't care if it's two years, I don't care if it's one year, I don't care if it's 20 years. Our responsibility doesn't change what we're supposed to be doing. Amen. Amen. It does a difference. What we see happening, what makes a difference is what we're going to do with what we know. Yeah. Amen. Go. If you turn your Bibles to 1 John chapter 5. First John chapter five. We're going to read in verse four. And it says, "For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our, our faith. Man, we're looking for all sorts of reasons to overcome this world. We're looking for all sorts of different avenues. But what it says here is we want to come over, overcome the world, that that victory lies with inside our faith. Amen. Remember, it's, 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 it's what we believe, what we stand on. Listen, I will tell you what a man believes by what he does. Yes. It's, easy to tell, it's easy to say, well, I believe this, I believe that. Well, if you believe that, do you do it? Because right. if you believe it, You'll do it. If I believe my house is on fire, I'm getting out. 
right? For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world. It's our faith. The key to overcoming the world is being born of God, and the victory is with inside our faith. So if you want to see some things overcame in your life, what is the first requisite? Be born of God. Second one is? Oh, I just said it. Come on, guys. Faith. Amen. Okay. We also know, we all know that the Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about faith, faith chapter, you know, and it, it tells us that, that in, in, in verse 6, that it is, is actually, without faith it says that it's impossible to please God. Without faith it's impossible to please Him. For, for, for he who comes to God must believe that He is. We have to believe that He is. And, 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 and that he is a rewarder of, of those who seek him. Amen? Amen? So it takes faith to believe in God. It takes, it takes faith to believe that God is there. It takes faith to believe that this word is true. Yes. And that we have to apply this to our life. Amen? And it's impossible to please God without faith. So it means in, in the scriptures, as, as you read it, you, you take that, 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 that faith turns the head of God. Right? Faith turns the head of God. If you don't have faith, you can't please him. But if you do have faith, it'll turn the head of God. He'll look at you. He will, he will follow through. What, what does he say? If you believe and ask anything in my name, it shall. The question is, do we believe that? And, 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 and if we do believe that, that tells us there that faith is the currency of heaven. Right? Faith is God's currency. Faith is the currency of heaven. When we operate in faith, there's a reward that comes. When we ask and believe, there's something that comes from that. And right now, we see all these things happening out here. We're going, oh my goodness, what's going on here? But what happens is we take our faith and we motivate it and we empower it by planting it with inside God's word and we send it out. We're going to change something out there. Faith is kind of like, a, a, like money to God's currency. You, you know, and, and I heard this preached years ago about how faith is kind of like money. And since I heard that, I thought, man, let's start spending. Right? You guys live in a very spiritual area. You may not, you, you may not know that, but here in this area of Indiana, it's very spiritual. I didn't say it's really Christian. It's spiritual. You got to remember, Jezebel was probably one of the most spiritual persons that ever lived. Come on, come on. And we're living in an area right now that the enemy wants to keep his hands in, but he can't because at the name of Jesus, what 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 does it say that every demon and the devil himself they shudder? So you have the authority and the power. Then when you stand together and you pray in the power of the prayer of agreement, you change things. It's funny. My church. It's like this, not in yours, but in my church, if we have a potluck, we can fill the basement. If we have a prayer meeting, we can hardly fill the outhouse. <laughs> you know we have an outhouse, too, don't you? Yes, I do. <laughs> we don't have indoor plumbing in our church. It's kind of a great thing. 
because nobody congregates in the bathroom. <laughs> right? And, and, and in the wintertime, nobody wants to go to the bathroom. <laughs> in the summertime, you have to say, listen, if anybody has to go to the bathroom, would you please go before service starts because we don't want the chaos. In the wintertime, nobody has to say a word. <laughs> actually, if there's somebody that actually goes out there out the window to see if it shakes because when you sit down, <clears throat> the thing shakes, you know? Everybody has faith at that moment, right? Amen. When we start taking a look at, uh, at, at what faith brings into our life, we can start to see how we can actually call it currency. And if it's impossible to please God without faith, and we can see that faith turns the head of God, there's something in the church that we need to change. A person obtains salvation through the currency of faith. Ephesians 2.8, if you, you, know, you can turn to it. You, you know these scriptures, I'm sure, but you can turn to it. Sometimes I, I take for granted that. But Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of your, yourself, for it is the gift of God. By grace through faith. By grace through faith. Amen? God's currency of faith is the only thing that reaches God's heart for salvation. And there's no other currency that's out there to obtain it. By faith, this is where it starts getting hairy. Because by faith, mountains are moved. Mountains are moved by faith. Now, just think about that. Modern mountains. Mountains are things that are huge that's in front of us that we can't seem to go around or over or under to get, without any type of difficulty, right? And sometimes the mountains that we have inside our life are so great and so big we can't see any hope. Amen? But, but the Word of God tells us in Matthew chapter 7, turn to it, Matthew chapter 17. I know I'm, I'm taking you all over the place, sorry. Matthew chapter 17, in verse 20, and, and, and Jesus is talking to his, his disciples, and, and, and he says to them, he says, because of the littleness of your faith, and I'm thinking... I mean, they were the disciples. You know, he said, and he's saying to me, he says, and he said to them, because, because of the littleness of your faith, verse 17, uh, chapter 17, verse 20, says, for truly I say to you that if you have faith as a mustard seed, he says, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it shall move. He didn't say it might move. He didn't say it could move. He says, it shall move. Amen. Do you believe in God or do you believe God? Right? Right? When we start looking at these mountains that's out there, what are we saying? Move. Yes. In Jesus' name. Amen? And, and, and it continues on. It says, and nothing shall be impossible to 
When you read that, do you put your name inside that? When you read that, do you look at that and say, there's going to be nothing impossible for me? I mean, that, 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 that's, that's huge. You know, it, it's awesome. Think about it. There are many things that seem like mountains before us that, that, that we can't seem to get through. And right now, I, I'm hearing believers all over the world, all over the nation, talking about, I don't think we're ever going to recover from this. I see you thinking wrong. Listen, it don't make no difference. Listen, when I leave here, I'm going there. But until I leave here, I'm going to continue to do the same thing that I've always done, and I'm, going to, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to sit there and cry about it, so I'll just let Jim. He's going to come when he comes. And Jesus said he doesn't know when it is. It's when God tells him to go. So until that day comes, he ain't worried about it. But he did say one thing. He says, when I return, I wonder if there's going to be any faith. Just a thought. And, 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 and when we start looking at the scripture, we start thinking, man, there's some things that it just seems so big for us. I don't know what to do. I don't know what I should be doing. Walk by faith and not by sight. You know, things that seem like there's no hope, uh, that we can't conquer. But here in the scriptures, it tells us that it's through God's currency of faith that we can obtain that victory. Amen. What are some things that you're having to deal with inside your life? I was talking to the one sister this morning about the things that's going on at work. Are you kidding me? Walk in there and tell your colleagues this week, say, listen, you know what? It takes faith that moves the mountains. And, and, and you know what? There's going to be some people probably don't believe in God there. So you watch and see what's going to happen here. Amen. 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 You walk in there with victory already on your side. You know who God is. And God said that there's nothing impossible for him. He's completely unstoppable. He comes into the camp of the enemy with Gideon, brings the, the sword of the Lord with him, and, and he obliviates the army. Gideon didn't have to do nothing. Not Gideon. Um, yeah, Gideon. And we look and we read these things and we wonder, what is God going to do for us? He's going to do the same thing. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Amen. He didn't change his ways. He didn't change his stripes. The problem is, is we changed it. And all the stuff that's happening right now, we walk into the workplace, walk in there in the power of the name of Jesus. Yes. Don't even worry about what they say. We might think twice before we have this guy back. <laughs> Even the largest things, the things that look so tough, God says faithful will change that. But he didn't stop there with just the largest things. He continued on to say nothing. Can you say nothing? Nothing, nothing shall be impossible to you. That's not all he said. Let's go back to that again. Jesus said, it doesn't actually take a whole lot of currency to obtain this victory. He says, of a... Do you have the size of faith of a mustard seed inside you? I mean, I mean, I think that's a cool way to think, to look at it. Do I have... I mean, the mustard seed is the smallest seed of them all. Do I have that much faith? Do I have that much faith? 
the mustard seed, the smallest seed of them all. It's interesting how Jesus used the seed to measure faith, isn't it? And, and, and when I look at that, because uh, both seed and faith will grow if it's properly planted. Right? Have you ever think about that? Both seeds and faith will grow if it's properly planted and it's cared for. And sometimes I think that the church has faith, but I think that sometimes they don't plant it in the right spot. And they don't cultivate it. You know? I mean, this just thought. A seed planted, watered, and the sun shining on it will grow tremendously greater size than what the seed was that you planted. All you have to do is plant a tomato plant. Little bit tiny seed, toss that into the ground, water it and stuff, all of a sudden the sun hits it and it pops up and it's this big round. That little seed was that big. So, and, and, and faith is the same way. If, 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 if we put it and plant it inside God's word, because it's nothing that I say that's going to make manifest. It's what God's word says. And if I take my faith and I plant it with inside God's word, then send it out. We're going to have something. Amen. We're going to have something. Powerful resource will come. Amen. Romans ten seventeen says, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of, God, of Christ, right? So, so, so if we want our faith to grow into great amounts, then we must feed it on the word of Christ. You know what that's going to require? You probably, I don't know, you already know this, but it's going to require you to read your Bible. I, I actually have, I mean, you may look at me and think, why would he say that? We're the church. We know that. But I actually have people that go to church for a long time that says, I really don't read my Bible. I say, no. How do you stay in faith? How do you stay connected? How do you know what he's going to do tomorrow because you don't know what he did before? Before all this COVID garbage came along, I used to go to McDonald's once in a while. I had a coffee with a friend of mine who was a believer. And uh, we was in there twice a week. We'd sit down for an hour or so and read the Word of God. And I got to talk to a lot of people because we would talk loud enough because I guess I'm a loud speaker. And as we would talk, there was a, there was a table once that sat there. And they sat there and they sat there as long as we, and we were there a little bit longer than we normally was. there about two hours and they stayed there. That's kind of weird, isn't it? So I get up, and I give him a hug. Goodbye, you know. Man, it's good seeing you. I haven't talked to you in a while. It's good talking to you. And I go to start to walk out, and there's three young ladies sitting in there. And what we were talking about is we were talking about same-sex marriages. And the older woman says to me, says, hey, could, could, could you sit down and talk with us for a minute? I'm thinking, hmm, wonder where this is going to go. <laughs> And I said, okay. And I sit down with them, and they started asking me questions about the Word of God. About what I was speaking about. I said, man, listen to me. I'm going to tell you something. I wouldn't say the things that I say on my own accord. This is what the Word of God says. And she says, could you show me? I said, absolutely. You know what? I like it when people say that. Right, right. Don't you? And, and because of what, what me and Dave had talked about, I got a chance to talk to these ladies. And that was really super cool. 
And the next day, I came back. So I'm thinking, that was really cool. We could fill the church this way. And we sat back down to talk. And one of the guys that worked at McDonald's, he brought this pot of coffee out there to fill mine and Dave's coffee up. And he says, you guys here talking about God again? I say, yeah, actually we are. I said, you ever talk about God? He said, no. He said, I haven't went to church in a long time. I said, you haven't went to church in a long time? He says, no. He said, I used to go. I said, you look a lot smarter than that. And he didn't know what to say. I say, you said that you used to go to church? I said, what stopped you from going to church? He said, I don't know. He said, I got older. I didn't really was interested no more. And I thought, wow. I said, did you see healings in your church? He said, no. I said, never? He said, no. I said, did you ever see somebody cast out the devil? He says, what? I said, the demon. He says, no. He says, in church? Oh, they come to church too. And he says, no. I said, you've been going to the wrong church. I said, let me tell you where to come. And I gave us. And you know, the thing was, is I think that people are looking for the supernatural today because they're not finding it in the church, they're looking for other where's, uh, where that is. And I think that we as, as the body of Christ, walking in faith and moving with what God had called us to do. How many of you know what the Bible says? That, that these signs shall follow those who believe. Amen. I mean, do you know that? It didn't, did you notice it didn't say pastors and prophets and teachers and evangelists? Right. It didn't say that, did it? It says these signs will follow those who believe. Do you know that God expects us and the congregation to walk in that authority? Amen. Isn't that something? Amen. You probably do that here. But it's amazing how many churches that's out there that don't. Right. That don't. You're going to the grocery store, you see somebody who's got a, a cast on their arm, and, 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 and you say, my wife was talking to this lady that had a cast on her arm, and she said, I broke my arm the other day. She says, yeah, she says, it really hurts. And my wife says, can I pray for you? And there's like people behind her in a line, grocery store. And she said, yes. She was thinking that my wife was going to pray for her later. My wife ain't like that. So she puts her hand on her shoulder and she starts praying for her in Jesus' name. And all these people back are looking like, they act like they've never seen something before. Does that happen in Warsaw? Isn't that cool? God expects us to exercise our faith that way. Faith is truly the currency of God. And, 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 and look what it rewards. How would I say that? Rewards. Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9. I'm going to close here pretty soon. I, I, I know. I'm going to close here pretty soon. Uh, Matthew chapter, I think. Uh, Matthew chapter 9. We're going to start in verse 18. Because this verse really starts getting good. Because faith, faith moves so many things. It moves so many things. And it says here in verse 18, it says, And while he was saying these things to them, behold, there came a synagogue official, 
and bowed down to him, bowed down to Jesus, saying, my daughter has just died. But come and lay your hands on her, and she will live. And Jesus rose, and he began to follow him. And, and so did his disciples. And behold, a woman who had been suffering from a hemorrhage for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his coat. For she was saying to herself, if I only touch his, I shall get well. But Jesus turned to her and, 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 and said, Daughter, take courage. Your faith has made you well. And at once the woman was made well. And, and when Jesus came to the official's house and he saw the flute players and, and, and the crowd and the noisy disorder, and he began to say, Depart, from, from, de depart for, for the girl has not died but is asleep. And they began to laugh at him. But when the crowd had been put out, he entered and took her by the hands, and the girl rose. And this news went out into all the land. And as Jesus passed on from there, two blind men followed him, crying out and saying, Have mercy on us, son of David. And after he had come into the house, the blind men came up to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this. And they said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, Be it done to you according to your faith. And their eyes were opened. And Jesus sternly warned them, saying, See here, let no one know about this. But they went out, and they spread the news about him, in all the land. And as they were going out, behold, a dumb man, demon-possessed, was brought to him. And after the demon was cast out, the dumb man spoke. And the multitude marveled, saying, Nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. When I read that, that's amazing. That's an amazing act of faith to happen in this right here. Faith brings healings. Now, when we, when we operate in faith, when we walk in faith, and we walk our faith out there in front of us, not by looking at the things that we see out there, but by what God's Word says. We, we see this woman here who was hemorrhaging for 12 years. She had a condition that cost her all of her money. She was broke after she'd went to doctor after doctor after doctor. Then she went behind Jesus, touched his coat, and immediately she was healed the second that her faith touched Jesus. That is powerful. She was healed after 12 years the second that her faith touched Jesus. That is powerful. And the blind men, they were, they were healed immediately after their faith was touched by Jesus. What did he say? Let it be done according to your... So when Jesus touched them because of their faith, they were healed. They could see. We think about that. And it didn't end there. there was, faith brings deliverance. And today we need a lot of deliverance. I mean, there is so many people that is oppressed and possessed by the, the demonic realm that is, it's amazing that we don't have more people. I mean, I remember a time shortly after we went up to Hart, we had people called us at 3 o'clock in the, in the morning. We didn't know them. We got answered the phone and they said, hey, would you be interested in coming to our house? Um, our pastor doesn't deal with this. 
I say, well, what do you got going on? We have a bed that's moving. I says, yeah, I'll be right there. Give me your address. And they were shocked that I would come. So I grabbed one of our elders in our church, Steve Decker. I grabbed him. I said, hey, I says, you want to have some fun tonight? He says, well, what's going on? I said, there's a family over there in, in Shelby that's, that has demonic activity happening inside their house, and their pastor won't come. Let's go help them out. So I went and picked him up, and we prayed all the way there. And we got there, and there was 13 Hispanics standing outside the house in the middle of December. Didn't bring their coats when they left. And you know the thing is, 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 is it's, it's done nothing more but increase since then. And, and the amazing thing about it is the church has the keys. They have the answers. And, and, and faith brings deliverance. Yes. It brings deliverance. And, and the man, he had a spirit, and the spirit was cast out, and the man spoke again. Those people who had faith to bring him to Jesus, he didn't come on his own accord. He was brought to Jesus. Somebody had faith and brought him to Jesus. How many people that we have inside here that has faith that will bring somebody that needs deliverance into here? Amen. Amen. I have never advertised my church one time. And I've had a lot of, I've never put it in the church directory. And I've had people say, why don't you put it in there? I says, because I'm not going to pay to have something done that the church should be doing. If it's good for you to come here, go get them and bring them in. Yeah. Amen. I know I'm kind of nuts sometimes, but... Faith raises the dead. Amen. In church today, inside the church, there is many dry bones. Probably not here. We need to see a resurrection. We need to see a resurrection in the body of Christ for people to grab a hold of what God has called them to do on an individual platform so they can operate in the corporate platform. I mean, it's amazing what Paul's talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, right? Body ministry. Faith raised the dead. The synagogue's official's daughter died. And through faith in her father towards Jesus, he brought Jesus to her and she lived again. When we start looking at all these conditions, all these problems that's out there right now, and the, the, the the cure for it is Jesus, our faith in Jesus, our faith in the way that we live our life. Connected and planted securely in the word will affect all of these things that's out here. But if we don't have our faith issue settled, our faith tells us, yes, there is a God. But unless our, our faith issue says, I believe what God says, it's not going to change us to walk in faith outside there. And if the only place that we walk in faith is inside here, we've got a bigger problem. Listen, when we go to heaven, the opportunity to pray for the sick, cast out a devil, raise the dead, those opportunities are gone. If we're ever going to do those things, it's going to be done here. Amen. It ain't going to ever happen there. It's only going to happen here.
the thing that, that speaks to me more than anything in this scripture here is at the very end of verse 33 of Matthew chapter 9. And it says here, it says, and after the demon was cast out, the dumb man spoke. And the multitude marveled, saying, nothing like this was ever seen in Israel. Let me ask you a question. That's awesome. That's powerful how, how the currency of faith really, really is. And can you imagine just what could be the outcome of the church being rewarded for their faith? Just as these scriptures that we, that we were just, just read. The woman with the issue of blood, she stopped bleeding. The dumb man talked. The blind man saw. The dead girl lived. And through that right there, the multitude marveled. And they said, we have never seen nothing like this in Israel. What are the things, here's the question, what are the things that has never been seen in Warsaw that needs to be seen in Warsaw? What are the things that God expects or he wants to empower you with to be able to go out into the highways and the byways, to go out into the workplace, to go out into the homes of friends and neighbors and operate in that they're going to say, we have never seen nothing like this before. I introduced that to our church a long time ago, but what is the part that you're supposed to play in bringing healing into heart? And I realize today that's the that we have to walk in. We have to believe that it's in, our, it's in God that we move, not into ourselves. Amen. And the list goes on and on and on. But what can be seen through our faith that has never been seen before in our land. You know, it's hard when you're working with, with people who have been indoctrinated or, or religious or grew up inside the church. It's almost easier to work with people who've never been in the church before. And do you know what I found out? There's a lot of them out there. What is your, what is, what is your calling to walk in faith? in this land, at this time, in this season, for such a time as this. Peter stepped out of the boat. He walked on water with his faith. Elijah called down fire from heaven with his faith. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was led into a fiery furnace with the fourth person, with his faith. And out of all those outcomes, God came through in miraculous, marvelous ways. Amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet?
in the beginning, I, I said, remember, well, one of the coolest things was, was that God had brought you and me to be MD's people. He saved us to bring us into, because I, I believe that we're, we're appointed. I believe that, we, that God sends us into the dispensation. It ain't like that he just takes little dust and sprinkles all over and just babies are born. I think that God calls us for a purpose. I think that he calls us in to life to, com- to complete a, a task. I believe that he, he wants to partner with us. He wants us to be a part of him bringing the gospel out through all the lands. He wants to be us to be an extension of his hand, to lay hands on the sick, to cast out devils, to, to raise the dead. And I believe that sometimes it's far-fetched for us when we start looking at ourselves and knowing who we really are and knowing where we've been to think that God would use us. But see, God wants to use us. And God wants to take every person that's here today. He wants to activate their faith for them to understand that nothing is impossible for him, so there's nothing impossible for you. And if you keep your hand firmly gripped into his, that regardless of all this crazy stuff that's going on out there, we can see God's hand flourish. We can see salvation. We can see, we can see deliverance. We can see healings. We can see a change inside the, the light that's around us in our sphere of influence. Because see, you're going to touch somebody that I'm never going to see. And when you go to work, you're going to be able to be an inspiration or an encouragement or an example of who Jesus is inside your life to them. And I think that's an amazing thing. Now today, today, now I, I believe that faith is, is such an important part of our life. Because if God says that it's impossible to please him without it, I think that we in the body of Christ should check and see where our faith really is. Because when I go to, when I go to somebody and I lay hands on them to pray for them for, for, for healing, I don't have any faith that that comes from me. If Jesus doesn't show up, it ain't going to happen. Right? But there's something about faith that just walking into day-to-day life, you know, that most people need to see is your faith, even in these troubled times, is that we have an anchor, we have a rock that we're attached to, that we will not be moved, we will not be shaken. And when the world comes against you, you have to remember that the victory that overcomes the world is our faith. And if we're born of God, we overcome the world automatically. If we're born of God. And the victory that overcomes the world is our faith. And if we operate in faith and we move in faith, and we, we, we take God at his word and we remember that's him that's going to do it, not us. All we have to be is the vessel willing to go, right? If there's anyone here today that says, you know, ah, I serve God. I serve God. I love him. But I don't know if I've actually been walking out, stepping out in faith to where God wants me to. I want to make that change today. Pastor JC said I have the privilege to open up the altar. See, I believe I've never closed a service without the altar call. 
And, I, and I've had people say, he knows everybody's saved here. It doesn't matter. I think the altar is a great place to be. And I think that, 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 that if, if you're here today and you say, God, God, I want to activate my faith even more. I want to be able to walk into these places and I want to bring you in. I want to carry you in. And I want to, stay, I want to stand strong. I want to, I want to have courage. That regardless of what people say, I'm going to stand on what you say. And I want this every single time. Help me here. Help me activate my faith. If that's you today, then use the altar. Come down. Leave your seat. There's something about leaving your seat that declares to God, I'm yours, and declares to the powers of darkness, you don't have me. And I use the altar all the time. So if there's anybody here, anyone here, you've got beautiful altars. Anybody here? Thank you for listening to today's message. If you have any questions or would like to reach out to us here at the River, you can email us at study at riverwc, all one word, dot org. Again, that's email to study at riverwc.org. God bless you.